0: is Roger Green, host of the Surfing the Nash Tsunami podcast. This week, we are offering four conversations from episode 48, Closing Thoughts on an Eventful Nash Summer. This conversation starts with Stephen Harrison discussing a technique he uses in speeches to convey the scale of the coming Nash pandemic. Hint, more deaths than from COVID-19 to date or the Civil War. The conversation then proceeds to Mazinuruddin discussing two specific events of summer he considered the two most important. Stephen's Affirming paper in Nature Medicine, and Mayo Clinic's paper in Hepatology on using retrospective MR. More elastography data to predict outcomes from chronic liver disease. This episode is full of both laughter and ideas that will challenge you. So sit back, listen, enjoy, learn, and when you're done, join the discussion on our LinkedIn and Facebook discussion groups.
1: Roger Green,
0: yeah, so I hear, and I've been following your COVID counts, and what I noticed is that San Antonio has no COVID cases reporting on the on the weekends, and the Monday spikes like crazy, so I'll be interested to see what today has to show for you guys. I assume you're coming down, though.
1: Steven Harrison. Yeah, they are coming down. I don't remember the exact numbers, but we're down significantly. I gave a lecture yesterday morning in Dallas at the this meeting called the Texas Society for Gastroenterology and Endoscopy, and one of the statistics, you know, I, I like to start my lectures with... what. So what? Now what? And the what was how big a deal is NASH? And I used the modeling paper that Estes, Lumba, Yanasi, and Sanyal published in 2018 in Hepatology, looking at what happens between 2015 and 2030. And it's predicted that there will be 800,000 liver-related deaths in that 15-year time period due to NASH. And just to put that in context, there have been 688,000 deaths in the U.S. due to COVID. So we're talking about about a problem that doesn't get near the attention that COVID did. And granted, the deaths are in a two-year time period. But collectively, as much as we've talked about COVID death, it doesn't reach the level of NASH liver-related death that is anticipated within the next nine years.
0: Yeah, I, I know the number and I know the paper because you introduced me to it a couple of years ago. And I'm wondering how the audience reacts when you do that.
1: I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a pin drop moment, you know, or a drop the mic moment or whatever you want to say. It, it literally, sets the stage for that's the what, and now let's talk about now what, drug development, identifying these people non-invasively. The so what is how are these people going to be found and identified, and then what we're going to do about it. So it sets the stage for a good lecture now that you got everybody's attention. And quite frankly, it sets the stage for Mason as he pontificates on all things Nash over the next, let's give him like 35 minutes instead of a full hour.
0: Well, no, we'll give him the hour because you just took 10 minutes out of it back. Back, so we're rocking. Monson, this, this theme's been really simple. Pick something from the summer that you think is really interesting and talk about it for a few minutes, and then we'll intervene with questions and comments. And everyone who had to do this for only 25 minutes did not have the benefit of having Steven to help out. So I figure he up some of your time just because, well, he already has and because he will. But why don't you jump in? Where do you want, Where do you want to start this conversation?
1: Mazen Nuruddin.
2: yeah, so the summer, there are a lot of good things happen in the summer, but a couple of things, uh, I don't want Stephen to blush, but I was impressed by his activity in this summer and the new theme he has done that he is publishing in the nature and nature journals so you see like clinical trials now popping up in the nature journals and there's one just came out in nature communication and there was another one in nature medicine that we're we're not used to see papers in, in nature medicine that are clinical trial we're always used to, to see basic science paper and maybe some patient samples in addition to a huge experiment but kudos to steven that we started seeing pure clinical trials in nature journals. And this one was, I want to talk about the nature medicine. It's pure clinical trials showing the interest in the field and how the nature journals now, they're hungry for NASH clinical trials. And with his trials and his Summit Consortium doing all these trials and doing them in a time records and with uh, excellent designs, we start seeing these studies. So I want to talk about the Forexafirmin study. So there was a study in, in nature medicine and with outstanding results. And as, as you know, This is FGF 21 with 80 patients that was published in Nature Medicine. And I believe Stephen is the first author. And it was just 12 weeks studies with a subpopulation that had a liver biopsy just to show the proof of concept. So usually a lot of phase 2A-ish, they have MRI, PDFF only, but they went beyond that and they had subpopulation with liver biopsy. And there were multiple doses, 70 milligram, 50 milligram, 20 milligram, and placebo and I, I was stunned by the results with this FGF that the MRI-PDFF within a short time reached a very significant improvement. The absolute reduction was up to 14% in the 70 milligram and the relative reduction was up to 72% in the 72 milligram. The more than 30% reduction, which is what everyone is talking about, the percentage of patients that achieved that was almost to, I think, 100% and the 30%, something we have not seen before. And then they went beyond that and they looked at the 50% and the 70%, which is much harder to reach. And the 50% was 93% and the 70% was up to 80%. And this is a single drug achieving that. I was looking at these results, super impressed by it. Then we have started coining this term, which is, I don't know if we're going to call it the cure at the end or not, but having less than 50 Five percent on MRI PDFF, which is very much the fat melting, and because less than five percent, you don't have fatty liver anymore. And sixty-seven percent of patients achieved that. So two quarters of the patients they don't have fatty liver anymore on their MRI, and actually sixty-seven percent of the patients also had drop in the ALT of seventeen percent. With the liver biopsy, they had subpopulation and they had good amount of success. Again, we have to be a little bit careful with when we have a smaller sample size, but it was a. For the future, that maybe the phase 2b will achieve the similar success. One fibrosis stage improvement was up to 36%, and the 2.9 improvement was almost 80%. Putting things together, you asked about the summer, but this was a remarkable study in Nature Medicine. Adding this to what happened this year between the semaglutide and lenfivrenol, one in New England Journal, the other one's coming in the New England Journal. These agents are giving light at the end of the tunnel that. We are on our way to hopefully soon treat this disease because we got some bad news. The OCA like, didn't get the approval. Hopefully that will change. Hopefully they will grant them approval with additional data submission. If not, we have others on the way. And of course with the resmitorum also pending results, I think this is an exciting time that the summer trial results confirmed that. I want to take, since you give me an hour and a half to talk, no, I'm not taking an hour and a half, since you gave me a little bit of time to talk, I think you mentioned Elena is coming on another episode in the future but I want to emphasize a CGH paper that also the Mayo group put out that just came out. Um, so this is additional MRE paper, I want to talk about it. So we talked about the therapeutics which I see um, very promising. This Nature's paper added in the summer on the non-invasive testing, which we all hope that is going to replace liver biopsy. In registry trials, because they're already in clinical practice, re- replace liver biopsy. No one is using them in, in real-world management. There were a couple of papers that came from the Mayo group by Elena showing that MRE predict outcomes. We have one in Liver International on um, Nash patients, also predicting outcomes. There was this paper, and I'm not going to go into details if she's going to go into it, that was published on CGH, on MRE, from 1,200 patients. Again, I'm not going into details, that they collected data between 2007, 2009, and then they looked at outcomes, and I'll, I'll leave to her the rest. But one of the things that, I know you guys talked about cutoffs before, and not they're important or not important. To me, it was important, actually. One of the cutoffs that came out, the 6.8 for decompensation, which kind of confirmed the cutoff we came up or in our study, which was about 6.48 for decompensation. Why cutoff is important to me because if I design a study for NASH compensated cirrhotics, I want to know where I stop or where I exclude patients. So these certain cutoffs is important to me to say 6.4 and higher or 6.4 and higher exclude these patients because they're reaching a point that they might jump off the cliff and you might not see benefits. So I will leave that to your future episodes, but we have evidence from this summer that therapeutics are heading the right direction we're heading also the right direction with non-invasive testing we're proving that hopefully we have the svr of course not svr this is the hepatitis c analogy that svr and hep c correlated with outcomes and that's why it replaced liver biopsy we're getting that now in nash and we just have to formalize it and make it official with the regulators to move toward registry trials with. NITs. So with that, I'll stop and I'll move it here.
0: So Stephen, why don't you pick any one thread in the last nine minutes of Mazen and just pull on it? It can be the Frux, it can be the MRE, it can be really whatever you want to be. Just take one and pull on
1: it. There's a lot to pull on here. First of all, I completely agree with Mason, that we're we're seeing a lot of movement in NASH. We're learning more and more about every facet of this disease. And the two components that Mason mentioned predominantly, what we're learning in the NIT space and what we're learning about drugs that modulate disease relative to NASH has been refreshing to see. And let's be honest, it's hard to keep up with it. It's hard to keep pace with what's happening in drug development and in NIT development and in epidemiology, but quite frankly, even pathogenesis of this disease. Just when I think I've got this figured out, I get hit with a curveball of, I never thought of it, something like that. And I'll come back to that in a minute because there was an interesting lecture I listened to from Scott Friedman when I was in Paris two weeks ago that really just was an eye-opener for me in regards to stellate cell function. And now, back to Roger. We hope
0: you've enjoyed this recording. If you have any questions or comments about the content of this conversation or the entire episode, please send an email to questions at surfingnash.com. We will be back next Wednesday, October 6th, hopefully discussing the new clinical care pathways published today in gastroenterology. I hope you'll join us then. And until then, stay safe and see you on the podcast. Bye-bye now.